0: Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the Senior Pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. How many of you remember 31st night service message? You do? You know, somehow that word has impacted my life, living out of the fullness of God. The dream that God gave me for that 31st night was... How we can receive from the fullness of God. One blessing after the other. One gift upon another. Favor upon favor. And uh, I've seen the blessing of God in an amazing way. And I trust that if you have not heard that message, please go back and read it. It's on our website. You can download it. It's all free. We move from asking to receiving. So this morning... I'm continuing on what I started on the 31st night. A sequence to that message is now praying out of the fullness of God. 31st night, we looked at receiving out of the fullness of God. This morning, we're going to look at praying out of the fullness of God. You know, many people pray out of their emptiness, They keep complaining to God how miserable life is. They keep complaining, people are so annoying and they've all let me down. Life is so hopeless. And when you pray like that, you're praying out of your barrenness, your emptiness, rather than praying out of the fullness of God. Now, if you keep praying out of your emptiness, you're only wasting your time and you're going through the emotions of your own struggles rather than coming to a place of receiving what God has in store for you. When we look at people in the Bible, we see that every one of them prayed prayers that were big prayers. They were bold prayers. They prayed prayers that were confident because they had an understanding of God's unlimited, unending character. And when we have an understanding of God's Unending, unlimited character, it puts us in a place of confidence. It puts us in a place of unusual boldness because you're tapping into the source and your faith is anchored not on just a promise, but on the one who made the promise. Now the Bible says in Daniel chapter 11 verse 32, let's look at that scripture. It says, people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now, what is the Bible saying here? When you know God, you will be strong. The more you know God, the more stronger you will be to stand against the works of the enemy. And so the revelation knowledge of God is so important because it strengthens us on the inside, and when we are strengthened, we're able to carry out great exploits. It's out of His fullness that we go from strength to strength and we begin to see the exploits of God through our lives. The meaning of the word exploit is full use of or benefit from. So when you know God, you become strong and you benefit fully out of that revelation. You benefit fully out of your understanding of who God is. There's a difference between knowing and acquaintance. You know a person, it's speaking of relationship. A husband and wife know each other, speaking of intimacy in relationship. A parent knows the child. It's a deep relationship. But an acquaintance is a person you meet probably the first few times and then you never meet them again. They become an acquaintance. When you know God, it's talking about a relationship, a deep relationship that God wants to have with us and that we should have with God. When you know God, you shall be strong and you will carry out great exploits. It's like going to your own home and ringing the doorbell. When you ring the doorbell of your home, you don't stand there and say, I wonder whether anyone will come and open the door. You don't stand there feeling nervous, okay, I'm not too sure, is this the right time or the wrong time to ring the doorbell. You don't do that. In fact, if nobody comes in the next two minutes, you keep ringing hard. Your frustration is seen in the way you ring the bell. Because you expect somebody to answer the door when you ring the bell. There's a huge expectation. Why? Because you have and access to your own home. You have a relationship there and you expect your wife or your kids to be prompt in answering the door when you ring the bell. But when you go to a person's home who you don't know is just a friend or an acquaintance, you'll think twice, is this the right time? Am I disturbing? You ring it once and then you stand back and say, I don't think the person may be at home or busy, give it another try. If they don't respond, you walk away. And some of us approach God like that. We approach God like an acquaintance. We talk to God and say, God, you know, would you help me? Would you do this? And then don't get any answer. Maybe God is too busy. Maybe he's not interested in my life. And we carry away. But a person who knows God will stay at the throne room of God. Will them stand at that place of confidence saying, God, I call, you answer. That's what the Bible says in Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Call and He will answer and He will show you great and mighty things. You don't move from that place. Why? Because there is a knowing in your heart that when you call on God, God will show up and He will answer you. Can somebody shout an amen? You know, many people need to be delivered from the God which is in your mind. Because the God in your mind is so limited to the God in the Bible. And people have a view of God in their mind, and that view of God determines how much they pray, or what they pray, because it's a limited view. It's your view about God, and that view about God must be dealt with. Our view of God must come from the Bible. We must see God for who He is, and not for what we think He is. Because Moses had an experience of the fullness of God, he prayed bold prayers, very bold prayers. He prayed prayers that caused God to change his mind. We see that in Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 to 10. As Moses went up on the Mount Sinai, 40 days, 40 nights, he was having a communication time with God. He was In relationship with God. God was speaking to him. But the people down in the valley were getting very restless. They were wondering, what was happening to our leader, Moses? Forty days, forty nights, no sign of him. They got impatient. And so they decided to go to Aaron and say to him, come. Make us gods that shall go before us. They're impatience. They don't have a leader. Suddenly there's no connection with the God who they served and called upon. So they go to Aaron and says, you make us some gods. For as this man, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. It doesn't take very long for your congregation to ditch you. Forty days, forty nights enough. Bye-bye. God. 40 days, 40 nights, the miracles they experience, the intervention of God that they experience, all forgotten, they go to Aaron, make us a God. When we do not understand who the real God is, we tend to make gods for ourselves. That's what's happening in the world today. When we don't get in connection with God of the universe, we can make people our gods. We can make money our gods. We can make a career as gods. Because we are so used to making gods for ourselves. It started in that time, the people of Israel. So Aaron said to them, Bring all the gold earrings which are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And Aaron made a golden calf out of it. Here's the beginning of the calf coming on the scene. Now it's become the holy calf. Started right there in the camp of the Israelites. A golden calf. They said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What a shame. That calf which they made of their own hands saying, you are God who brought us out of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. He added to their problems. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, "Tomorrow is the is a feast to the Lord." Which Lord? Not the God of the universe, not the God who Moses knew, but this little bit of a calf they made. They rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and they arose to play. Verse seven. And the Lord said to Moses. Go, get down. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. And so God is watching what's happening with the people of Israel. They have turned away so quickly from what I commanded them. And have made for themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. You know what stiff-necked is? If someone is talking to you on your left-hand side, you can't turn your head. You have to turn your whole body and then turn back again. stiff neck And God looked at the people of Israel as very stiff-necked. Not flexible. Not able to comprehend the things of God. Stiff-necked people. Verse 10, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I will consume them and I will make of you a great nation. What a big bargain with Moses. God is saying to Moses, look, leave me alone Moses. Let me, allow me to destroy and consume this whole people. Destroy them and banish. Let them be out of this universe. And I will make for you a whole new generation. Now with God, that's possible. I'll make a whole new generation. Moses could have said, wait a minute. Wow, these guys were a real pain in the neck. For all the trouble and all the grumbling and all the accusations they give me, well, pretty good idea, God. Why didn't you do it? Was Moses taken up by the challenge that God gave him? Let's see what it says in verse 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord. It's Moses done. He pleads. He talks to God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Can you imagine Moses, a mere man talking to Almighty God and saying, God, why are you so angry against your people? Verse 12, why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? And look at the audacity, look at the boldness and the confidence that Moses has. Moses tells God, turn from your fierce anger. Moses Talking to God and saying, God, it's time you turn from your fierce anger. Relent, repent, change your mind from this harm to your people. They that know God shall carry out great exploits. Knowing God is about a relationship. And you can see the relationship that God and Moses is having. In fact, prayer is a relationship. Can you say that after me? Prayer is a relationship. See, prayer is not an activity. Prayer is not doing some religious stuff. I know how religious we can be. We can be so religious that it kills us more than anyone else. Prayer is not about religion. Prayer is a relationship. And there's a relationship happening between Moses and God. And Moses is saying, God, change your mind. You've got to change your mind. Moses goes one step further, verse 13, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. And Moses is saying, Lord, you've already made a promise, you've already made a covenant that you will not destroy this nation, but you will prosper them, you will bless them, and you will cause them to be like the stars of the sky on this earth. Moses held God at his word. Moses held God at his covenant. I know there's a lot of people today sending SMSs and, and, you know, all kinds of mails. End time, end time, end time. As soon as the bomb goes off, hey, the end time is coming closer. Something else happened. Oh, end time. And it looks like we're standing, are counting the days. Hey, we're coming closer to the doomsday. The world is coming to an end. And what are you doing? Counting numbers. And some of us are wishing Jesus will come back. The only time I wish Jesus would come back was during my exam time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There you are. I got company here this morning. I remember the time I went down on my knees when nobody is watching in the classroom and said, Oh, please come now. But when you understand the heart of God... And you see a lost world, a broken world, a world that is perishing. You will stay with God and say, God, you will not cause this world to perish. And I pray, Lord, that you will remember the covenant of Abraham. You will remember the covenant of Isaac. You will remember the covenant of your son, Jesus. And God, would you bring salvation? Would you increase your descendants as the stars of the sky in our day and in our time? Can somebody shout an amen? And this is the hour that the church must wake up and cry out to God and say, Oh God, in this time of desperate wickedness, we want to see the intervention of God. We want to see an invasion of God in our society, in our families, and in this nation. Is somebody with me this morning? Don't worry, you will get to heaven. But please make sure you're taking an army of people with you. I suggest... That the amount of research that you do, when the Lord will come, will it be in December or will this year or next year? Spend time in saying, oh God, remember your covenant, Lord. We want to see people saved. We want to see your kingdom come. Bible says in verse 14, and the Lord relented from the harm which he said he will do to his people. Do you know what that means? God repented. God says, no, no. Yes, I'm wrong. And he didn't bring destruction to the people of Israel. One man. One simple man who knew God. Changed the history of his nation. When a man rises, knowing God, you can change a nation. You can bring change in this world. All it thinks is that one individual who would say, I know God, I know God. And every time God used people, it came out of their understanding of the fullness of God. Why did Jonah run away from Nineveh? Why did Jonah not want to bring repentance to Nineveh? Because Jonah knew that if he goes to Nineveh and tells the people there, Hey, you're a wicked people. God is about to judge you. God is about to destroy you. And if the people repented, he knew that God's love prevailed. God is a God of long-suffering and patience and that God will not bring the judgment upon them and salvation will come to the city. He knew it! And so he says, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. You know, the only good time not to pray is when you fear God will answer when you do. I'm not going to pray for you. Why? Because God will answer. And that's exactly what Jonah did. And when the people repented... He was so angry. He says, God, I knew. I knew you were a long-suffering God. I knew you were a forgiving God. I knew you were a compassionate God. I knew you will save them. That became his problem. We would have put headlines, revival, anyway, I preached, revival came. That's why God chose Jonah. God will choose people who know their God. When you know God, you shall be strong. And you will carry out great exploits. Two Peter chapter three, verse nine says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all shall come to repentance. That's the heart of God. And if his second coming is delayed, it's delayed because he's long suffering. Because there's a cry in the heart of God that none will perish in this world. And we must capture that heart. There are two realities in which we live in. We live in two worlds. One is the seen world and the other is the unseen world. It's the physical world as the spi- versus the spiritual world. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him all things have been created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. The invisible world is the spiritual realm. The visible world is the world that we see. Many people don't like to acknowledge the spiritual world because it holds you accountable. When you acknowledge the spiritual world, You've got a responsibility, how you handle the spiritual world. Some people are too frightened to even think that there is a spiritual world. And so they shy away from acknowledging anything that is spiritual. But just because you deny it doesn't mean to say it does not exist. The philosophy of this world has taught us that what we don't see does not exist. And so we live only in one reality... And the one reality we live our lives is in the physical world which only teaches us what you see and what you feel and what you touch is what you've got to believe. That's what a physical world is about. And many people live, are living their lives based on their physical senses. But we need to realize that the spiritual world is far more powerful than this physical world. The spiritual world is as real as this physical world. And if we could only see and understand spiritual things, it will alter so much of our life and the way we live it. Why do you think people will go to any extent to get a promotion, to get a healing, or to get married? They will go from one religious place to another religious place. They will consult. Palm readers, they will consult those who can read astrology, horoscopes. They will go into all kinds of supernatural things in order to find help and assistance that will give them a breakthrough in their physical world. Am I talking to you this morning? That's the reality that we're dealing with every day because people have been messed up so much in the spiritual world of darkness. And they will go to any extent to see that breakthrough. They will sacrifice animals. They will sacrifice their gold and their money just for a divine intervention. Why do they do it? They do it because they know there is a spiritual world. And when the spiritual world influences their physical world, something will change. They know it. And that's why the people in the world are more wiser than the people in the church. Because they know what the realities of the spiritual world is more than the people in the church. We take it for granted. And We've seen lives ruined, literally ruined. Because they've dabbled in all of these things. The enemy can give you temporary success, temporary prosperity. But eventually brings sorrow and destruction in a person's life. I'm reminded of an incident of how this lady from Morocco... She came all the way from Morocco. She comes every year and she will visit one guru after another, one religious person after another religious place, give money just to get an answer for a physical problem, get an answer from the spirits that's tormenting her. And then she came to a place when she was fed up. Nothing seemed to work. And she happened to talk to one of our congregation members and say, if nothing happens on this trip, I'm going to commit suicide. So this congregation member said, wow, this is a brilliant time to bring some hope. He says, look, you've tried everything you've given up. So before you kill yourself, would you like to come and talk to my pastor? And so they came unannounced. I didn't know I would have visitors that evening. Around 6 o'clock, we get a knock on the door. Open the door and I see four of them, including the person from our congregation, come in. I said, what happened? And then they tell me the story. Every year they keep coming. They move from one religious place to another religious place. They're from a Sindhi background. And I listened to her story. She came with two. The other two were our uncles. And when I understood that she had gone through this whole procedure of giving money, consulting different kind of people in order for her to get a breakthrough. I literally did this. I got to the edge of my seat. I wanted to make a statement. I said, look at me. I said, I guarantee you 100% a miracle. All I need you to do for the remaining time you're here for the next two months, I want you every Sunday in church and every prayer meeting you're going to attend. I want to meet you during the week. So they had a small discussion among themselves. They gathered together. They spoke to one another. And this was their conclusion, very wise conclusion. They said, wherever we went, nobody gave us 100% guarantee. He's giving us 100% guarantee. He says, okay, we'll take it. I said, okay, next week, Wednesday, come and meet me. She calls up on Wednesday morning and she said, when I was about to dress up and come, I saw this demon come in front of me and say, if you go meet him, I will kill you. The demon spoke to her. She panicked. She was worried. She did another sensible thing. She called me and told me, this is what the demon said. I said, don't worry, come. He won't touch you. I like people who are a little obedient, you know. Just a little bit obedient. So she came. That was an evening I will never forget. Two uncles were there in our home. I led her to salvation. There was a light, and I believe it was an angel that struck her. It was around 6.37, and I saw this flash of light come on her. I led her to the Lord, and God gloriously saved her life. And I said, I will meet you the next week. She did one of the encounter weekends. She had a back problem that she struggled for years, and God healed her, and God delivered her. She not only got her life back. She got salvation. She knew she was forgiven. And God set her free from the powers of darkness. Those demons never tormented her. After two years, a husband comes with a shirt. I said, what's this for? I didn't even know that was her husband. I want to thank you. My wife has been so transformed. And so this is a small gift. The spiritual realm is a real realm. They that know God will be strong will be strong, and you will carry out great exploits. They knew how real the spiritual realm of darkness is. We need to know how real the spiritual realm of God is. Can somebody shout an amen? I want you to know that the spiritual realm of God is far more powerful, far more dynamic than any kingdom of darkness. Darkness trembles when light comes. Can we please understand the importance of the spiritual realm? You and I, the entire human race, are the only creatures on earth that God created to live in both realms. Are you listening to what I'm saying? We are the only creatures on earth that God created to live in both realms. Which are the both realms? The physical realm and the spiritual realm. And once we know the secret of living in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm, we have an advantage over the enemy. We have an advantage point over situations and things that trouble us. So these people who consult wizards and witches, wizards is the male of those who practice witchcraft. Witches are the female who practice witchcraft. So don't get confused. They're called sometimes mediums or spiritists. And when people who go to them, they're going to them not because they're uneducated and crazy. They're going to them because they understand spiritual realms and the power that it can have over physical lives. You notice how those people look? You look at them, they look like they need more help than you. It's just that you didn't see yourself in the mirror long enough. You were so confused of life, you forgot how you looked and you looked at them. And you see them all in corners and sitting around. I went to a mall in Derudun, just having coffee there. And this guy who was an astrologer had his table. And all these young girls going to him, showing their hand. And he's looking at their face, looking at their hand. And he's predicting. And I looked at both of them. And I said, hey, you have more hope than what this guy has. Very few men went to him. I thought men, you know, they don't bother. Women are the ones looking for answers, and looking for this, and looking for future. And so all these young girls going there. And he was having a good look at their hands. (laughs) And I was the quiet observer there. You know, they're not very well dressed. They're not even highly educated. They don't even look very pleasing. But yet, heads of companies, politicians, people in high places go to them. Why? You know why? Because they recognize the spiritual power that can change and alter their lives. When we, the church, will realize that there is a spiritual power that can alter your life for the good. Alter your circumstances for the better. The day we know it is the day we will link in. It's a spiritual realm. Not in a religious way, but in a relational way. Learn to align ourselves with God. These two realms, the realm of God and the realm of darkness, the unseen realms. Just because you don't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You don't see the wind, but it exists. You don't see electricity, but it still exists. Let's look at what happened in the book of Exodus. We see that the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, they were first under captivity for 420 years. Under the harsh rule of Pharaoh in Egypt, all they knew were to be slaves to Egyptian masters. That's all they knew. To be mistreated. They were not trained for battle. But there was one thing they did. They called on God. They cried out to God. And the Bible said, God heard their prayer and he saw their misery. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Doesn't take much skill, doesn't take much intelligence. All it takes is someone to call on God, and God hears and God responds. And God raised up one man called Moses, anointed him, and told him, Go set my people free. The answer for an entire people laid in one man, Moses. That was the answer. Moses learned the secret of what it is to align himself with the spiritual realm. He knew what it is to align himself with God. He learned that secret. That is the secret. We see it not only in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And I'll probably show you uh, scriptures and how Jesus modeled it. Living in the reality of both these realms, the physical and the spiritual. He learned what it is to align himself. For Moses, prayer was not the last option. Prayer was the first option. And so, when the Amalekites in Exodus chapter 70 came to attack him, Moses knew they didn't stand a chance. They were not men of war, and Moses did one thing. He went up to the hill, and he took Aaron and her—that's not Aaron's wife—hers, name of a person, Aaron and her. Two of these men up on the hill. These were not fighting men. These were praying men. In the times of your trouble, all you need is praying people around you. Praying people. People who will stand with you in prayer. And he told Joshua, gather some men and you go and fight the army. Go face the enemy. There was odds against them. Moses prayed, the Bible goes on to read, that every time Moses' hand came down, the enemy prevailed over the nation of Israel. And so Aaron and Ur er stood on either side of Moses. One of them lifted his left hand and the other lifted his right hand. And they kept his hands up the whole day. And that's what intercession is all about. That is what God has called us. Moses aligned himself with God. And as he began to pray and as they stayed on that hill, Israel overcame the enemy and won the battle. Everything that happened in that day, which caused the Israelites to win, happened. Not because they fought, but because these three men prayed. And that's what happens when you align yourself in the will of God. That's what happens when you align yourself to hear what God has to say for you. It releases the power and the presence of God to intercede. Whenever you seek God for an answer, be sure He will answer. Be sure He will intervene. He will show you a way of escape. The Bible says in Psalm 91 verse 15, Because He had known my name, Starts there. That's where prayer starts. Because he has known my name. He shall call upon me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Where does it start? It doesn't start with praying. It starts with because he knew his name. God says, I will deliver him and I will honor him. And I will bring him out of trouble. That was Moses' secret. Moses knew what to do in the spiritual realm, and he knew what to do in the physical realm. Some of us are so spiritual, we are of earthly uselessness. All we know is spiritual, 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 no ground reality. And there is the other group of people, all they know is in the physical reality, no clue what's happening spiritually. God wants us to have a good perspective that there is a spiritual realm. And there are things that we need to do to align ourselves and to hear God. And there are things that God will tell us to do in the physical realm. A combination of that is dynamic. A combination of living in both these worlds—the physical and the spiritual—is beyond any person's comprehension of what God can do through one man. The armies of this world could not prevail before these three praying men, because with God you become a majority. If you want things to go well in the physical realm, then we need to engage in the spiritual realm. If you want to see victory in the physical realm, we must have victory in the spiritual realm. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but there is one thing I know. If you're up against a storm, the Bible says that God's spirit will raise up a standard against the enemy. And so we can be confident that no matter what the battle is, no matter how fierce the enemy may come charging at you, throwing things in your face, there is a God who you know and you can go to. And he says, he will raise up a standard by his spirit against the enemy. The Bible says that in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, the unseen world is more important than the world we see. The world we see will eventually disappear. That's why Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. The world that we see is temporary. And that's why the Bible says, the things which are unseen are more eternal than the things which are seen. We spend so much of time on what we put on, and how we dress, and how we present ourselves to people. We're so preoccupied with the world that's around us that we have very little time to spend in spiritual things. Spend in worship, spend in aligning ourselves with God. That has been our biggest weakness. Because we've not understood the influence the spiritual world can have upon our lives. Bill Hybel said, you will always find time for the things you value. You value your job, you will find time for it. You value relationships, you will find time for it. You value your spiritual life, you will find time for it. And it's true. Whatever we value, we will always find the time and the energy for. People don't succeed because they have good education or not because they speak good English. There are people who speak better English than you. There are people who are highly educated than you. But they succeed because they have only things that are in the physical world. But when people have an element of God, there is success. There is a spiritual blessing that makes you succeed. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Now, how we look at that, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Rich is not having cars, is not having house, not having property. That's not what the blessing of the Lord is. The blessing of the Lord is a spiritual element that enables you to have and to be all that God wants you to be. That's a blessing. I'm going to repeat that again. A blessing is is a spiritual element that enables you to have and to be all that God wants you to be. And that spiritual element is the presence of God. The Bible says that Joseph was a prosperous man because God was with him. Spiritual element that brings riches, that brings prosperity, that brings the blessing of God into a person's life. And the Bible goes on to say in Proverbs, He will add no sorrow to it. He will stop the enemy from robbing the blessing. He will stop harm coming to you. The Lord is what makes you rich, and He will add no sorrow to it. So opposite to the enemy. The enemy will make you rich, but it comes with a lot of sorrow and a lot of pain. When we align ourselves with God, your family will be blessed, your work will be blessed, your nation will be blessed. Why was Jesus' life and ministry so effective and so powerful? Three years, three and a half years, so much was accomplished. Here's the secret. He learned to live in both realms, the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Isn't that true? Jesus modeled what life should be for every human being. He came as a human being and modeled the way God wanted us to live life. He is our model. He demonstrated what it is to live in both these realms. I want to say this. Every single one who did great exploits in the Bible were ones who learned the secret of living and dwelling in both the realms, the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. And the minute we tap into that secret and we learn to live life well, in the physical realm, as well as in the spiritual realm, we will unlock the power and the presence of God into our lives and situations in a way that you never thought of. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 19. Familiar passage of scripture. Jesus said this, Most assuredly, most truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. What is Jesus saying? Look. As a mere physical man, I can do nothing. Isn't that true? I would be a fool to think what I do, I do as a physical person. Impossible. Highly impossible. And Jesus said, The son cannot do anything by himself. The contrast is, we'll say, I can do a lot of things by myself. Lord, thank you, I don't need your help. That's the difference between Jesus and this generation. And then Jesus goes on to say, But what he sees the Father do, for whatever the Father, God, does, the Son also does in like manner. So what did Jesus do? Everything he saw in the spiritual realm, he brought it into existence in the physical realm. What is that Christian life all about? What you see in the spiritual realm, bring it into existence in the physical realm. That's what a Christian life is. He not only modeled it, He taught us how we could live in both realms. He taught it, He demonstrated it, He modeled it. And that's why Jesus said, He taught His disciples to pray and He said, Your kingdom come. Your spiritual realm in which you reign, let it come on, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was Jesus saying to his disciples? We need to tap into the spiritual realm and enforce the will of God, the reign of God, the rule of God in our homes, in our lives, and in our nation. Can somebody shout an amen? That's what spiritual realms do when we begin to understand what God wants. So many people fail not because of lack of hard work or because they're lazy. Many people are struggling in life, not because they got it right or made wrong decisions. They're struggling because they're living only in the physical realm. And they have no clue of what God wants to do in the spiritual realm. Today we see the same amount of divorce in the world as now in the church. The same problems the world has, the church has. Same sickness that's attacking the world, is attacking people in the church. There must be an answer. And the answer is when the church realizes that we can align ourselves with God. That we will fight the battle spiritually. We will see the victory in the physical realm. All it takes is for us to recognize the spiritual influence that we could have in the world we live in we we'll to look at one more incident in the Bible. There are many, but look at one more incident in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. One man, Elisha, one man, he was not a warrior. He was not an aggressive man. All he was a prophet. A man who knew how to live in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm. One simple man. And all he had with him is another simple human being, a servant. Not even a bodyguard, a servant. To serve him and to help him in his needs. And the king of Syria is so angry with this man. How does he choose to capture him? he sends an army with horses and chariots to surround the city to capture one man. Isn't that strange? One man, Peter, to put him into prison had two soldiers on either side. Had centuries in front. One guy, fisherman. You know why? They knew one man with God is a majority. It's trouble. And so they have to put all the securities in place. And so this army surrounded. Elisha had a good sleep. His servant slept and woke up the next morning, went outside, and he looked around and he saw all the horses and chariots and all the army around. And he said, Master, we got a problem. We got a problem. We are in trouble. And what does Elisha do? A man who knew both realms, physical and spiritual, prayed, Lord, Open his eyes. Open his spiritual eyes. And when his spiritual eyes open, he says, Alas, alas, there are more horses and chariots surrounding you than in the city. Isn't that interesting? The reason why we are so filled with anxiety and fear, because we've lost connection with the spiritual realm. Do you know why people are running from pillar to post, trying Satanism, trying every possible means that the world is coming up? Because we were ordained to be spiritual beings with a spiritual connection. When man lost his spiritual connection, he's searching for that connection again. And if you don't find your connection with God, you will find it with darkness. And there are people who are there. Finding their connection with darkness and living a miserable life. And some people come be bothered with this or that and they say, Forget it. it, doesn't exist. Let's live a physical life in this physical world. And so what does Elisha do? He sees the armies of God around him. He sees the natural armies, he knows the spiritual reality. Elisha prayed. Elisha prayed. When Moses was in trouble, Moses prayed. When Jonah was in trouble, Jonah prayed. When Elijah was in trouble, Elijah prayed. When Ezekiel was in problem, Ezekiel prayed. Everyone who did great exploits, when they were in trouble against opposition, they prayed. And Elisha prayed and says, Lord, all these armies, blind them. No weapon, no swords, no guns, no shouting. Lord, blind them. And all of them were blind. I don't know what you and I would have done. I'd have told the servant, just do whatever you want with them. After all, they're blind. They don't know who they're fighting with. You have had some fun with them. Shout here, and when they go there, shout here, and make them dance around. When they were blind, he led them back into Syria. He says, You got the wrong place. Come, I'll take you. Took them back to Syria, and says, Lord, open their eyes, and comes back. And they said, Hey, we're back in Syria. You talk about action. This is action stuff. When you live and pray out of the fullness of God, you will do great exploits for God. May God raise up men and women in this church who know their God. And I'm not talking about a little quiet time here and a little quiet time there or attending a few meetings. I'm talking when we get to know God, we shall be strong. And we will carry our great exploits. And all that God needs is one man, one woman. But today, he's got an army, he's got his church, he's got his bride. And it's the time, we as a church, rise up from our place of complacency, look at the spiritual realm, engage with God, align ourselves with God, and bring forth the kingdom of God in a way that the world has never seen. I want to close with one testimony of how this girl wrote just the other day. And this is what this girl says. It was a pleasure meeting everyone at the 90 school of healing and deliverance. What I have experienced and received from God during the 90 school is something I have not been able to grasp even now. I left as a precious child of God. The testimony I wrote on the last day turned out to be incomplete as God decided to work on me even on the last day. So I just wanted to share with the team my experience. For some strange reason, I was feeling very incomplete on the last day. But during the breaking of bread, everyone was worshipping. And then Pastor Victor mentioned that God was healing somebody who has a stomach problem. Raise your hand. I thought I had been healed of my stomach problems, so I didn't bother to raise my hands. But as soon as the pastor said that, I felt such a turning in my stomach. But I thought it was just a feeling. But the turning got so intense intense, that I knew something was happening. And before I knew it, I fell to the ground. It was such an amazing experience. I knew right then that I was being healed and Jesus was with me. For years now, I have been suffering from stomach and digestive problems. Been to the doctor various times and was told to avoid a lot of food like dairy food, wheat, beans, neither, um, no oily food, etc. etc. That the doctor just gave up and said, you have got a sensitive stomach. So basically you know, I had to be very careful about what I ate and how much I ate. Every time I travel, I always had problems with food. But during the nine-day school, I had no major problems. And on the last day, God just blew my mind by choosing to heal me. What an amazing gift. I can also now enjoy food without being scared of what's going to happen next. I'm so thrilled with the fact that God chose to touch me. And that is what I hold on to for the rest of my life. I'm so humbled by his love. I've been so blessed by this 90 school. Thank you. Thank And the entire team. Why am I reading this testimony? You align yourself with God. All I saw was like a hand getting into somebody's stomach and pulling it out. Pulling something out. And I just said it. I see God. And there was another lady. She also collapsed. I didn't see her collapse on the ground. I saw another lady collapse on the ground. Just the time of breaking of bread. And she came back after the meeting. Sat with me. And says, look, I want to take a photo with you. I don't know for what that meant. But she took a photo. And she says, God healed me. My stomach is so set free. I'm so delivered. I had this problem for so long. And God has set me free at that moment. That's why I'm saying with great confidence and assurance, the problems that we face in this physical world, you will not find solutions only in the physical world. We need to align ourselves with God. Align ourselves with the spiritual realm. And when we get God's perspective... And when we get tap into that unlimited resource of God's character, it will unlock something of God's blessings upon your life. That way, you will be a blessing to others. Are you blessed? Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.